Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Time now for the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast. Presented by Dom's Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yes, 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 yes. Welcome to Balloon Party, also known as Lil Tex and Hot Love. That's right. Tim McKernan, Action Jackson. Jackson just scampered in here. And I mean <laughs> scampered, like Darren Sproles. Yeah. Uh, 17 seconds ago at the most. Yep, yep. But, you know, I got the controls under my fingers and we're ready to rock. I had to use the bathroom so damn bad. So. Oh, so that's what it was about. I, just, I, I, I said, Rock, can you man the controls for a second? I'm going to take care of some business, and that's exactly what I did. We have uh, one hour, and we've got to maximize the hour. Let's do it. And I think we're going to we're, – we're, here's what we're going to do. We're going to try. We're going to try. Try our hardest. To do it. You're welcome to give your thoughts on whether or not we succeed. Uh, I have a feeling many of you have already made up your minds. Air <laughs> Comfort Service text line 65780. A rare two-guest day today. Yeah, Look Doubling at us. Up. Doubling up. Uh, the Blues are on an absolute heater. And so Jeremy Rutherford's going to join us at uh, 1015. Any questions you have for JR, never hesitate to send them in. Uh, but an absolute heater. And uh, so we'll be talking Blues for uh, well, 10 to 12 minutes with Jeremy Rutherford. Jennings Randolph Jr., J. Randolph Jr., uh, making his balloon party debut here on 101 ESPN. He will be with us at 1035 to talk about the Masters. And Action Jackson, what do you think the lead is today? I'm really curious. I think you can make a case for three different things. But you're going to lead with Frank Vogel getting fired <laughs> by the Lakers. Let's say we take Frank Vogel off the table. Okay, we'll take we'll take. Frank. So then what would you be? Because you can say anything of the three possibilities. Yeah. And I'm going to be able to just rain down heat upon your chest. Right. Yeah, I know. So you you, you tell me what you think it is. I don't. I, here's the thing. I don't think you can go wrong. And right. I'm being serious. Right. I think at this point in the season, coming down the stretch to get two wins like that, I think the lead is the Blues. Wow. I do. I do. Are you trying to endear yourself no, to I, Blues fans? I, I truly think that's the answer. Uh, the Cardinals just started, and you know, all you can get is small sample size theater of need new pitchers and need a new manager. Pirates need to be right. you know, that contracted might be, or something. That they might need to be relegated. I don't know who these people are. But outside Key Brian Hayes, and I was and at you the game really yesterday. high on him. He was. He did just sign a big contract. Yeah, and he was looking outstanding yesterday. But uh, no, outside if we of that, had two hours, I'd talk Key Brian Hayes. Right. That was that would be him and Vogel would be like segment five. But Correct. fortunately, we only have four. So uh, I think the lead is the Blues. I All really right. Do. And if Here. the Masters had more drama, maybe. But with what happened yesterday at Augusta, I think the Blues. Are the I'm lead. not bluffing you. I don't think you can go wrong with any of the three. Uh, but at this point in the season, considering especially who they played on Friday right. night. And to win the manner that they did couldn't be more important. And the way that the Blues have played here over the last couple of weeks, two weeks ago, 
I was standing here and saying, this game tonight against Vancouver is kind of a, it could it could go off the rails from right, this point right, forward. Right, right. Yep. You would see teams like the Blues, for example, in 2019, get it going and then just build upon it and build upon it and become a machine that just cannot be stopped. In baseball, the Cardinals were on the receiving end of it in 2004, and they became the team that was the predator in 2011. They were on the receiving end of it, of a Red Sox team that could not be stopped once they won four straight against the Yankees, and then they rattle off four more against the Cardinals. They're the world champions. 2011, the Cardinals go on the heater at the end of August, and they just never are stopped, and they become the world champions. The Blues in 2019 go on the heater starting in early January, and they become the Stanley Cup champions. Well, with the way things had gone down 16 days ago against the Hurricanes on that Saturday night, you're going, yikes, maybe this thing is about to go off the rails and it was trending in that direction. And ever since then, not just beating the Canucks that night and then the Canucks in Vancouver, another one that was kind of important, and it's actually the only game that they haven't won in that stretch, but was coming back after such a terrible start at Edmonton on Friday night and winning, uh, or not winning, but getting a point in that game. And then the next night winning in Calgary. And I can't recall who it was. It might have been Cairo Cairo talking about that after the game, um, about that was the moment that it got them all together and got them going. And ever since then, this has looked like a completely different group. And they are on a heater. Jordan Bennington with a nice performance on Saturday, but you get two points against the Wild. And now here we are with 10 games remaining, and you have the Blues and the Wild tied uh, heading down the stretch, and they will play once again this coming Saturday. Blues and Boston tomorrow night, pregame here on 101 ESPN at 5 p.m. Jackson, we're on the East Coast, so 5 p.m. Right. Are you looking forward to seeing the Blues and the Bruins? Kind of a Stanley Cup rematch tomorrow night. I'm looking forward for people to really lock in. And enjoy now, what does that, that mean? Because that that was that seemed like I had just asked Quinn Snyder a, a question, <laughs> and it was like it seemed like it was a yes or no, and then you're. Then all of a sudden you start talking about people. <laughs> well, I'm happy for Blues fans that they get that rematch. I won't be uh, personally tuning in. Well, will you be? You must be busy. What's going on? This is this is an important game. There's only ten left here. We're trying. Right, we're right. trying to see what we can do here over the final ten games. What's right. going on? Well, there's a there's a little a little game on on. Tuesday, 7 p.m., the Nets are taking on the Cavs in the play-in tournament. Oh, sweet mother of pearl. <laughs> and I'm really looking forward to watching that because whoever wins that gets the Celtics in the first round. Six, five, seven, eight, zero. Yeah, yeah. The so. Nets and the Cavs. Mm-hmm. They played on— The Blues are playing the Saturday. Bruins. Yeah. You're on the air here on Wednesday. As far as I, I don't know anything about a vacation day. No, no vacation day. I'll be here. Uh, and if anyone has Nets-Cavs questions, I'll be happy to field them. Otherwise, I'll, I'll just kind of— sit here in my little corner and, and not try not to bother anybody as I try to do every day. I think you already just did bother a lot of people with that. All right, Jeremy Rutherford, we will just talk more blues coming up uh, at uh, 10, 15, 10, 16, 10, 17. Jay Randolph Jr. with us at 10, 35 to talk about the Masters. Let's go into the Cardinals. You were there yesterday uh-huh. and they played baseball. The they Nets sure and Cavs did not break out a game there. They played no. baseball. They played some baseball. You saw the one loss of the season. Yeah, no, I didn't bring home a winner. Uh, it was looking good. Arenado. Seeing the ball really well. Both of his home runs this season were kind of the same, just getting it right in the sweet spot and pulling it to left. Uh, a lot of energy, and then the then uh, Mats gives up that grand slam and sucked the energy right out of the building because then they bring in Woody Woodford, and uh, he gave up some runs, and things went sideways. But nonetheless, 
taking the first two is strong and scoring plenty of runs, which is great. Are you concerned about the starting pitching? Uh, it's probably like it's obviously too early to tell, but yeah, I would say that there's a concern. I'd say we'll we'll see how Dak looks. Hopefully they play today, but I don't know how they're going to handle today. Yeah. It's supposed to rain throughout the day. It's a I don't know what, about people in the audience because this would be under the guise of uh, excuse me under the umbrella of uh, before your time. But I recall growing up in the '80s and the '90s, it seemed like you would have getaway days on Mondays often. Yeah. And they got away, no pun intended, from doing that. So when I saw the Cardinals, I, I get the, the Cardinal Media Relations Department sending out texts for scheduling, and Ali Marmol is going to be available tomorrow at 9 o'clock in the morning. I'm like, boy, he's really getting there early. This guy's right. you know, really committed to the task. And then I saw they were playing today at 1.15, and I'm like, oh, the old four-game series, getaway day on Monday. This reminds me of the old National League East days when the Cardinals and Pirates were in there with the Phillies and Mets. And uh, the Cubs, and uh, and the, I don't know how they want to handle it. I was wondering with the forecast, as bad as it is for the day, if they would say we're not going to start it until right, I night. I can't imagine the attendance is going to be great anyway. No. So this is a weird spot, but with the schedule somewhat condensed because of starting a little later, I don't know if they can afford to, I mean, unless they're just going to have another doubleheader. I don't know how they're going to handle this, yeah, but it is Dak Hudson today. Yeah. If he gives you a rough start again, the, the Pirates are like a quadruple A team. Yeah, yeah. I don't know who these people are. I really don't know who these people. I don't know who the pitchers are. I don't know who the hitters are. So it's wonderful that the Cardinals have won two out of three, but I don't know who these people are. And so, yeah, I would like to think that the Cardinals starting staff would be able to shut most of these strangers <laughs> right. down. But uh, so far, Wainwright has, but Michaelis and uh, yesterday, Mats did not. Now, the Cardinals knew going in that they wanted to keep them on a short workload because it's mm-hmm. the first start with right, contracted right. spring training. So yep. that wasn't surprising. The issue was that he just couldn't get out of it, and he couldn't get anybody out once that third rule rolled around. And so you have two starts from two guys who are going to have greater importance with the Reyes and Flaherty situations up in the air not performing at a very high level. Right, exactly. That's a, that's a concern. Right. And yesterday with Matt's, you know, he was kind of—he got through the first couple innings— Pretty much unscathed, looked real good, and then he got the bases loaded. I was like, all right, here's the test. Here's to see how he's going to handle this, and then he gives up the bomb. So it's concerning for sure. And then the fifth starter of Hicks, kind of a bullpen start deal. We'll see how that works out. But if Hudson looks okay coming off injury and the bullpen thing works out well, then I'm going to be less concerned. But if this michaelis Matt situation continues how it looks like it might, then, yeah, I think starting pitching is going to be a problem. Small sample size. Small sample size. Yeah, no course. question. I'm not saying you're saying right, that's right, a big right. problem. But it was. It's, it's the one. Th- Here's the biggest issue for the Cardinals. And we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about it more later on in the show. But if you have a problem that the vast majority of the fan base was talking about being a problem before the season, and you don't do anything to tend to the problem, and that problem winds up being... Yeah a fatal flaw that points at the front office. Absolutely. And so while it's three games, they're two and one, it's difficult to get a real read no matter what because you're playing a team that has just packed it in (laughs) and really has for the last 30 years minus a couple of years in 2013 and 2015. But uh, this this isn't a great start from the starting pitching standpoint. And uh, that's just something, you know, you keep an eye on. At the same time, what Arnado's doing, the way Carlson is starting off games, that's exciting. Tyler O'Neill did his raking on opening day. That's encouraging. 
Uh, you're not exactly getting a whole lot of offense from the places where you were wondering, at least I was. You knew what the situation was going to be at catcher. Uh, yeah. Molina not playing today, by the way. Neither is, neither is Pools. Should they play? Uh, should the Cardinals play? Uh, but they're not in the starting lineup. Um, Kisner behind the plate. And DeYoung. So you know that, that uh, is DeYoung's playing, but uh, not somebody I was too high on going into the season, but the Cardinals wanted to give him those spots. All right, before we go to uh, our break and Jeremy Rutherford, I want to make sure I talk about the Masters. Jay Randolph Jr. going to join us at 1035. Jackson, you were at the Cardinal game, so you didn't watch it. I did watch it. Uh-huh. The, the Scotty Scheffler thing is so rare because he has, you know, the Rams beat the Bengals two months ago, eight weeks ago, eight weeks in a day, Jackson. That's the math. Eight yep. weeks in a day. Yep. Eight weeks and two days ago, Scotty Scheffler had never won on the PGA Tour. Since the Super Bowl, the day of his first win, the Waste Management, he's won the Waste Management, a big event, Bay Hill, a big event, uh, WGC match play, and now the Masters. And my, my, my general take on this is the following. If he had the hype that Tiger Woods did coming up, what he would be doing right now would be attracting people well beyond the golf world. But because he's an understated, kind of come out of nowhere, even though he was on the Ryder Cup team player, uh, I don't think it's getting near the attention, his dominance. You know, I, I play a lot of daily fantasy. That's really what I do now. I used to play a lot of poker. Now I play a lot of daily fantasy, and I play a lot of actual game of golf. And Scotty Scheffler was owned by less than 10% of the rosters entered in Daily Fantasy, Mm -hmm. even though he had, without question, been the best player in the game over the last two months. My premise in bringing that up is people just aren't necessarily buying in. He won in dominating fashion. He won the Masters in dominating fashion, a tournament where only, I think, 10 players were under par, and he was at 12 under par before screwing around on the 72nd green yesterday. Um, my, my overall point is this. This is a dominating run comparable to what Jordan Spieth did seven years ago. And if if this had the hype of Tiger Woods' appearance, people would be going absolutely crazy yeah. about it. But he's got a different kind of personality. But his golf game at this moment is comparable in the domination in the short period of time to what uh, Tiger Woods did in a short period of time. That's what I'm saying. It's not necessarily that he is going to beat the field like Tiger did in 2000 or run around the field like he did in 97 at Augusta, but that is dominating. And I'm I'm surprised that there isn't more talk about what he can do the remainder of the year. He is not like an overwhelming favorite at Southern Hills in the PGA Championship. It's Morikawa, Rahm, and Scheffler all at plus 1,200. This guy is an incredible golfer with no flaws. And yesterday, he was an absolute machine uh, in winning and winning really rather comfortably. The scoreboard is not indicative of how comfortable that win was. It, like you said, it lacked drama. Mm-hmm. Disappointing. The drama was who was going to finish in second place. We'll talk about that with Jay Randolph Jr. at 1035. Jeremy Rutherford up next to talk about the Blues and the heater they are on. This is Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back to 101 ESPN. Tim McKernan, Action Jackson with you. And it is our pleasure to welcome to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, ladies and gentlemen, the great Jeremy Rutherford. Welcome to the show, Jeremy Rutherford. Thanks for letting me bring down your show. (laughs) It's not possible to go less than zero. (laughs) Robert Downey Jr. Uh, JR, what a weekend for the Blues as a run that began two weeks ago. 
continues. And as you note on TheAthletic.com, I think for some fans, they're going, okay, yeah, it was the Canucks, and yeah, it was the Kraken, and it was the Coyotes, and they lost in overtime to Edmonton. So, you know, okay, the Calgary win. We'll circle that. We'll build our hopes around the Calgary win. But the comeback and the performance on Friday night against what is, at this point, point at least mathematically, their likely first-round opponent, um, that has to carry some weight with people, especially the way they got it done. Your takeaway from specifically Friday night against the Wild. Yeah, tons of weight. I think uh, that win and the Calgary win carry, uh, Tim. You can look at these eight games or seven, oh, and one, and you know we'll get to big picture in a minute. But you know if you have a win over Calgary in that mix, and you have a win over Minnesota, especially the way that they did it to get scored on 18 seconds into that third period, you know down three one, and uh, Minnesota this season. Uh, was perfect in the third period when holding the lead. And so to come back and get the goals in the way they did, and then you go into overtime and you're 1-7 and seven in overtime, and Robert Thomas uh, puts it away, uh, just a great win over Minnesota to keep pace with the Wild and with 10 games to go, still have a chance at, at second place here, a real strong chance. Uh, Craig Bruby after the game, highlighted the physicality the team played with. When this team plays well, is that something that you consider to be a constant, and when they struggle, is that something that is noticeably lacking? Yes, I think that uh, the hits have been up, and uh, I'm going to look up those numbers in just a bit, but just the eyeball on them after each win. You, you see that uh, when the Blues are in that 25-30 hit range, you remember the game as being a physical game where they're on the forecheck. Now, a lot of people look at that a little bit differently and say, well, if you're hitting, then the other team's got the puck. You're trying to hit them off the puck. But to me, you know, the Blues have struggled this year when they haven't gotten the forecheck going, and and they're not laying those hits. And, and so uh, to me, what I've noticed in this last stretch of games is, you know, the intensity is up. That's the biggest thing. And when you're doing that, uh, you know, Craig Bruby is able to uh, roll the four lines. Uh, you're getting goals from everybody. I mean, it seems like everybody on this team has some sort of point streak going, whether it's four games, five games, mm-hmm. six games, or Robert Thomas, uh, nine games. But, yes, to me, the physicality, the intensity is up. That's going to show up in the hit department, and I think that's why the wins are, are adding up. Any questions, any thoughts you may have for JR, text them in the Air Comfort Service. Text line 65780. It was two weeks ago tonight that the Blues started what has been this point streak against the Canucks, and that was coming off of a really eye-opening loss to the Hurricanes two nights before. And I felt like, and I don't know what your thought was going into that, that the season was kind of on the brink. Yes, they, of course, were still in a playoff spot, but things were really trending downward, especially after that Saturday night home loss, the manner with which it went down against Carolina. And since then, they have, have gone in this direction and on an absolute tear. Are you aware of anything of note, whether it be internally with with the team or strategically with the team that took place between that loss Saturday night against the Hurricanes and, and what began that streak Monday night against the Canucks? Tim, I think it's a couple factors, and the one that sticks out to me the most is that these veterans grab this team. I think early on in the year, you know, Jordan Cairo was doing a lot of good things and leading the team in scoring, and you want that. You definitely want these young players to blossom and turn into what we've seen from Jordan Cairo this year. But earlier in the year, you know, Ryan O'Reilly's numbers are down. Uh, Braden Shen was dinged up, and when he was in there, you know, wasn't producing a ton. And, you know, maybe it started prior to that win over Vancouver to kind of get this stretch going, Tim. But, you know, I just think, you know, from Ryan O'Reilly to Braden Shen to David Perron, 
Uh, Colton Pareko has been better. Vladimir Tarasenko has been outstanding. I think when you look at this Blues turnaround and them uh, rediscovering their game, playing with more consistency, I just look at the veterans and, and how they've grabbed it. All right, let's go to some of the texts here while we have Jeremy Rutherford with us on 101 ESPN. Does Vladdy still want out? The fans love him, and he <laughs> seems to be having so much fun out there. I feel like every time you're on the show, we check in on this. What is the uh, the latest on this question? <laughs> 7-0-1. These are Blues fans, right? 7-0-1, and, and the first question is about Vladdy and him, uh, does he want out? Uh, you know, it's kind of a stock answer, but nothing's changed in the last several months. I think they got to a point where uh, they realized that it wasn't going to happen this year, and you know what? Yeah, do I check in on it? Uh, of course, but you know, I think it's a situation where both sides know that if anything is to happen, that's going to take place uh, in the offseason. I mean, obviously we're past the, uh, the trade deadline now, but even heading into the trade deadline, it was not an issue. This thing uh, I think for months has all been uh, looked at as uh, something that will be addressed in the offseason. JR, what are your thoughts on Bennington? Of course, he uh, in there on Saturday against the Islanders and gets the job done. Uh, this from the 314. What are your thoughts on Bennington? Just an absolute terrific night for him. I mean, look at early on in that game, just a couple huge saves, uh, first of all, on that uh, shot in the slot. And then uh, also you get a little redirect. He makes the left leg save a couple early saves that I think all of a sudden the blues are saying, Hey, you know, he's playing well and this is good. A great bounce back game, Tim, you know, so many games we've been looking at as uh, going to be the game for Jordan Bennington to, to turn it around. And, you know, we'll find out if this game is it, obviously he's got to string a couple together. Uh, but uh, you know, the fans gave him a nice uh, ovation that had to feel good for Jordan Bennington and the blues going down the stretch here. 10 more games left. You know, it looks like Billy Husso would be your starter for sure for the playoffs. But if Jordan Bennington can start to regain that form, they at least know that they can count on him if they need to go to him uh, down the stretch here. JR, do you think uh, the Blues will see James Neal in a Blues uniform soon? You know, I've been asked that a lot. And, uh, you know, I guess it's possible. Um, I think, though, that what they've been trying to do here is uh, put together a fourth line that they can have some faith in. Uh, going down the stretch and if everybody's healthy in that top nine you know I don't see why it wouldn't be some form of Nathan Walker uh, Toropchenko I know McEachern's banged up right now does Logan Brown find his way in there you know James Neal has been playing well in the American Hockey League and he is a veteran guy you could bring him up but you know would they have brought him up before now I mean this is when you want to get that identity of that fourth line going so the fact that he's not here yet is a little signal to me that He's not in the plans, but, you know, that could change. He could be on the practice ice today or tomorrow, and, and you know, they're, they're going that direction. So we'll wait and see. Jeremy Rutherford with us here on Balloon Party 101 ESPN. Here's a rare text from the convent. Uh, Sister Catherine Patricia writing in, <laughs> do you see the Blues trying to extend Huso, or could they do a sign-and-trade? It would be heartbreaking to lose him for nothing. That's from Sister Catherine Patricia. Yeah, that's an old girlfriend. Thanks for the text, uh, Catherine. <laughs> uh, she obviously decided on a life change at some point after your dating. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, no kidding. <laughs> you sent her right to the convent, man. Yeah, that, that's, that's happened a lot. <laughs> I'd like to read that in The Athletic. Yeah. <laughs> no, with uh, with Philly Huso, I definitely think there's uh, interest in re-signing him and keeping him. You know, I think part of the reason you trade uh, Sunquist in that deal at the deadline for Nick Letty was to free up some cap space for mm -hmm. next year. And whether that's for Huso or for anybody else, you know, it probably needed to be done in terms of clearing it up. But was it specifically for Huso? You know, it really could have been. You know, I don't think that 
you know, Doug Armstrong would look at six million for Bennington and let's just say three, three and a half for Huso as an issue. There's teams around the league that that spend uh, nine, nine and a half, ten million on goaltending. It's not ideal, but but you know, if you want to keep Billy Huso, that's probably what it's going to cost. What it comes down to, to me, does does Billy Huso want to be in this organization? Does he want to have that situation with Jordan Bennington, you know, not going away? I mean, at some point, the Blues may want to stick with Bennington, and if he gets hot again, what does that mean for Huso's playing time? He could write his ticket to go somewhere else and be the one a guy somewhere else and not in st louis you know i I just think it's going to come down to to that situation does he want to be here uh guys isn't it funny that the person who got thomas to shoot more is tarasenko from 314 (laughs) yeah how about tarasenko gosh he's become uh, just a i know he's been a good passer you know uh hitchcock used to say that all the time he's underrated passer uh, but what a look the other night. He's had several looks. Those three together with Thomas and Tarasenko and, and uh, Buchnevich have just been outstanding. And, and you're right. The, the, the texture is right. You know, the fact that uh, Tarasenko is the guy setting up uh, Robert Thomas is just uh, phenomenal. So uh, they've had great chemistry, and that's one thing that you really, really need heading into this postseason is Tarasenko and Thomas clicking the way they are. Did you see this coming at all from Tarasenko before the year? It, it, like even a flash of it, like even like 20% chance? That is kind of it written him off. I mean, honestly, I was just like, okay, this is a, an awkward situation with the trade request and just viewed him as a stock th- whose value had declined substantially with health. And now look at the what he look at the way he's playing and what he's contributing, you know, both from a goal scoring and also, as we were just talking about, his ability to pass. Yeah, so, you know, separating the two, just uh, in, in terms of him coming back and, and this working out the way it has this year, you know, I think it is a little bit uh, surprising. I remember interviewing Brett Hall and Chris Pronger at the start of the year, and they felt that it would be a distraction. You know, I'm not shying away from that. I felt like it would be a, a distraction. Uh, but both sides have been very, very, very professional, and I think it's in the best interest of both sides. Like, yes. if they do yeah. trade him, yeah, if they do trade him, then then you want that uh, working relationship to, to, be, uh, to be good from the outside looking in, and it has been. And in terms of his health and what he's been able to produce, did I think he'd be leading the team in scoring? You know, I probably didn't think that. Uh, but I remember interviewing Tim, his uh, his doctor, the doctor who did the last surgery, uh, Peter Millett, out in uh, Denver. And, and uh, he said that uh, he felt that he was percent healthy and ready to go. And the doctor even threw in his own opinion and said he's motivated, too. I guess that was some conversations he had with Tarasenko during that whole procedure. But I'm not surprised that he's been able to stay healthy because I reported way back when that this was the stabilizing surgery. This was the most effective of the three surgeries that he had. This is kind of the last resort where you go in there and, and really stabilize things. Uh, so he's been able to stay healthy, and he's really turned that, in, that into a lot of production. JR, one final one uh, from the 636. How about Krug and Bowes? Uh, looking for updates there. Yep, both were on the ice uh, this past week, and uh, Craig Bruby did not have a timetable on them. He said that, uh, you know, they're progressing, and we'll see what happens. So could it be this road trip? I would imagine that they would go on the trip and skate and get treatment. Uh, Perhaps you could see one or both in Buffalo, Boston on this trip. If not, I would expect it to be uh, pretty soon on both those guys. There it is. Jeremy Rutherford, always great to have you. We love having you in studio. Jackson said he really likes to look at you and, and picture your Luka Doncic. But, but in this case, uh, it was good to have you on the phone, especially after what was a hell of a weekend. 7-0-1. What in the world, Jackson? That's the blues we're talking about, by ice the way. Hockey. That's right. We're talking about ice hockey. <laughs> JR, appreciate it as always.
Yep, no problem. Yeah, I did get a text or a tweet here that said, uh, please hold Jackson accountable on his lack of hockey now. Yep. <laughs> yeah, he's going to be watching the Nets and Cavs tomorrow night as opposed to the Blues and Bruins. Playing game, JR. Playing game. <laughs> All right, we'll see you guys in the studio next time. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, he's done. He's <laughs> cutting ties. Better not to associate with you. Uh, Jeremy Rutherford here on Balloon Party. Good to talk it Thanks, over sir. with him. And uh, we will shift gears and talk about the, the weekend that was at Augusta National with the great Jenny. Randolph Jr. making his balloon party debut. That is next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Jackson leading with the Frank Vogel firing. The Blues are 7-0-1 in their last eight. The Cardinals are 2-1. Scotty Scheffler puts on a clinic at Augusta National, and you go Frank Vogeling. Let's see what Jennings Randolph Jr. has to say about this. Good morning, Jennings. I feel so bad for Frank. What's his name? Frank who? <laughs> Frank Vogel has been let go, Jennings. That was the lead on the Sports Center update as Jackson just continues to irritate this uh, 101 ESPN audience. Jennings, welcome to Balloon Party. It's great to be here with you. How you doing? And how you doing, Jackson? I'm great. I uh, I can't wait to talk it over with you about this thing. Now, here is what I I know. We'll talk Tiger, of course. Um, yep. But Scotty Scheffler is on a heater. I don't know when the last time we saw something like this, but I, I kind of get the sense because he's so understated and there isn't a whole lot going on, even though he's a likable guy, at least from my standpoint, he's a likable guy. He's just ice cold. Cool, but he's on a heater. I mean, since the Rams beat the Bengals in the Super Bowl eight weeks and a day ago, the man has won four golf tournaments. And he just, you know, won the Masters comfortably before he screwed around on the 18th hole yesterday. This guy is doing some things that we haven't seen since Tiger. Uh, Do you see it that way or do you see it differently? No, I, I think you have to take this little era of time that we've seen in the six tournaments where he's won four of them and pretty big-time PGA Tour events that this is, you, you hate to use the term Tiger-esque, but, I mean, you know, I guess Kepka with that major run that he had. But when you look at the stretch of golf that, that Scotty Scheffler has played, really post-Ryder Cup, the Ryder Cup meant so much to him confidence-wise to make that team without a victory and, and then to break through and then to really – you know, I mean, when you look back on the whole thing, in a sense, he he kind of dominated the whole deal. I yeah. mean, he really did. I mean, it was really uh, a textbook performance other than the, the, the goofiness on 18 and a couple other shots. I mean, it's as good as it gets. And you wonder, where does it leave us? Where does is he going to be a multiple major guy? Is this just the beginning at the age of 25? He's got the pedigree with all the junior success didn't maybe have as good a college or amateur career as some of the other guys, but cut his teeth on the Corn Ferry Tour, got two wins out there, and the sky's the limit, and it certainly was yesterday getting the green jacket. Tim. The performance by Tiger Woods just to actually get there to play was already a win, and then he shoots one under on Thursday, 
clearly as the weekend went on, Jennings, uh, he wasn't the same guy. He was uh, limping, and it was really noticeable, almost awkward as he walked up the hill. I think it was on uh, three, if I'm not mistaken, that it really stood out. Um, but nonetheless, he finished 72 holes and made the cut at Augusta when I don't think anybody was even thinking that was even something on the map a month ago. What was your interpretation of what we saw from Tiger this weekend? Well, I think, again, as you said, the fact that he was able to put it in the air, your first goal is somehow making the cut. He did that. He fought through it. Just as you said, you could see the wear and tear as he walked up on Saturday on 18 and really throughout the whole round yesterday. I thought it was great for the game. I I look at my son, who's become a golf geek, who never really got to see Tiger play much. Uh, Those people that you know, come in the game in the last couple of years since he won that last Masters. The fact that he did all this 509 days or 10 days removed from a horrific accident. It, it, it's just another chapter in, in the Tiger Woods uh, career and, and a big one because it, you know, it added something to this year's Masters. The best thing that ever happened to Phil Mickelson. Uh, <laughs> his, his name, I mean, I never heard his name mentioned the whole week. About, you know, is, is, did they not let Phil play? I mean, that, that just went away. Um, and, I, you know, I, I, I think you're left with the impression that he's going to be able to get stronger, hopefully. And, you know, he's only going to play if he thinks he can have a shot. And while it didn't look like a real big shot, uh, it was great to see him out there, and it's a tremendous story. And uh, we keep Tiger Woods in our game while the health of the game with all the young players is so strong. For the record, he told Sky Sports, uh, was not asked on CBS, I'm not sure why, but uh, he told Sky Sports that he would be playing at St. Andrews in the Open. He's going to try to make it to Southern Hills uh, for right. the PGA next month so at the very least now and that's because st andrews is so flat and he will be able to walk that without issue and he loves the course and uh, and all that, that comes with it uh so yep. we know we'll see him at the very least in the open and hopefully we'll see him in the other two majors that are still out there i want to i want to get your thoughts on on this i went into yesterday without as much i don't say interest but not as it wasn't pumping through my veins as much because Scheffler had the lead he had and on top of it he and Cam Smith who I know you were high on and I want to talk about him momentarily because you called that shot back in January he was a guy who was going to win a major this year and yeah he didn't win yesterday but he has won the players and and next to Scotty Scheffler nobody's playing better in the world right now but because they were kind of off in their own realm and the only other guy who was kind of within shouting distance at the time was Sung J.M. and he's not necessarily a name that's going to you know capture the, the casual golf fan. So taking a big picture view on, on this Masters, um, did you consider it one of the better ones or do you consider, consider it one of the lesser ones? I think you, you, you have to take a... Uh a look at what Scheffler did and, and give extremely high praise and, and look at it being a tremendous championship for Scotty Scheffler. But as you said, and you got the sense Saturday afternoon that unless Cam uh, had a big day or somebody really went bananas and, and Scheffler came back a little, we were looking at either Cam or, uh, or Scheffler. And, and that, that doesn't leave you with the, the drama or necessarily the roars on Sunday or four or five guys maybe in the mix. And I do think that takes a little away from it. 
not having necessarily the drama. I mean, you got a little taste of it after the birdie on 11 by Cam, and then he ruined it with the shot on 12. But you're right. It didn't have um, some of the essential elements that we normally see on a Sunday at Augusta. And that's okay. That You know, Dustin Johnson's didn't either. And in a sense, uh, his was a, a huge dominating performance. And, you know, when it was all said and done, so was Scheffler's. Mm-hmm. Final question for you. Rory McIlroy makes that literal Sunday charge yesterday, shooting 64. The incredible hole out from the bunker, followed by Colin Morikawa. He finishes at 7-under in second place and then says, you know, I'm, I'm confident I am going to win here. Justin Thomas is confident he's going to win there. I'm sure John Rahm expects he will right. win there. Cam Smith said, literally, I believe I will win here. And so you have, an, I'm sure Xander Shoffley has thought he is going to win. I'm sure Brooks Kepka in 2019, he was one putt away from going to sudden death with Tiger Woods. You have a lot of monster names in the game who may really believe they're going to win there, but realistically, just the way that the math works out, they're not because a couple of these guys who have already won here will win again, and there are probably some guys right now, Jennings, who are 18 and 19 years old who will be household names within the next two or three years, and Will Zalatoris has played there twice, and he's got two top tens. So who do you? So inevitably, the math just isn't going to work out because age creeps up and new players enter the arena. Who is one guy who you feel like will for sure win who hasn't won there, and who is one guy who probably thinks he's going to win who you do not think will wind up actually ever wearing the green? jacket rom has to win win there or something is wrong i mean now he's not playing as well as he'd like but he, he's kind of my pick every year i just you have to believe that john rom at some point dons the green jacket you mentioned xander shoffley and you know a guy that seemingly is so consistent but really uh struggled and part of that could have been his draw um, but I wonder about Shoffley in the majors. Um, you know, there's some guys that are better suited for run-of-the-mill. I shouldn't say run-of-the-mill, but regular PGA Tour events as opposed to the majors. But as you said, Tim, and pointed out so perfectly, it's a math game. There's only four of these bad boys a year. There's only one at Augusta, and a lot has to go right. Um, you know, and, and everything has to kind of line up. It's it's amazing that Jack won as many as he did, or Tiger won as many as he did, or Nicholas. I mean, or or, or Nicholas, or, or or Player, or even Watson. Um, it's so tough to win them, but I think Rom will and Xander won't. There it is, Jennings Randolph Jr., who called it in January. Jackson, he oh, yeah. called it yeah. on our podcast. Said Cam Smith is the guy this hey, year. Here. He goes out and wins the players, and there he was heading into the twelfth tee box right in the mix to win the green jacket. Jennings, great to talk it over. It's always great to talk it over with you. Well, and, and, to, and, be on a, to be on a day when Vogel gets whacked. <laughs> <laughs> the fact, I, I almost killed the segment, Jackson said, now let's keep Jay on. We'll do a, we'll do a whole show on Vogel tomorrow. Right, so yeah, make sure breakdown. you tune in for that. <laughs> you boys stay out of trouble and great to be on 101. There he is, the Thanks, great Jay. Jennings Randolph Jr. Uh, making his balloon party, also known as Hot Love in Lil Tex. Uh, program debut here. All right, so what your grandma think is coming up next here? You are listening to Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Sometimes the media asks bad questions like... Congratulations. Um, Congratulations. I lost... 
You lost it? Yes. Oh. Or. What went through your mind when you were told that the contract was done? What's that? And when that happens, players will fire back. I mean, are you looking to get into a pissing match, me, you and I? Bryce, can you on question, bro? Now, it's time for. So what's your grandma think? Jet. Jackson? Yo. I would like to request yet another new open. Okay. All right. Throw it in the mix. Got it. But every time he says, oh, after congratulations, you lost. That is, uh, gets me every time. And then we'll have kind of a, we'll be able to diversify every yeah. week because we'll get to oh, a yeah. point where we have like five or six and uh, they'll never know which one's coming. Uh, what do we have this week? Uh, today we have Doc Rivers. Uh, head Doc coach, Rivers, of course, a coach in the National Basketball Association. Head coach of the 76ers. Wasn't happy with the media criticizing his lineup against a, a bigger center, so uh, he kind of let them have it. Let me clarify this one more time for everybody who struggles with this. When there's a small lineup, I'm going to say it's slow so we can all pick it up. We'll play smaller with Paul. When there's a big five, you play bigger with DJ. Do we all have that now? Paul. Could we play Paul with a big five? Yeah, you could. You may get in foul trouble early in a playoff game, which could swing a game. I've been around a long time. Trust that. Doc Rivers. All right, I'm in the tank. Tick tock, tick tock. I don't think he was really out of line, but I don't think the question was really out of line. Right. I think he handled it a little, not snarky, just kind of like, but it, it were on 82 this is game 82 of the year so it's it's natural for a coach to be a little tired of it uh especially come playoff times but yeah neither i don't think either were out of the line yeah i I don't think for that question he needed to play the resume right yeah because you can always play the resume any coach can say i would know more than you to any reporter right and so you always have the trump card but in this particular moment on what from what you played me, Jackson, I don't know what the truth was, but from what you played me, it seemed the word I'm going to use is benign. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Overall, yes. And All right. What do you got going? What do you got going today? I'm curious. Because uh, the league's off, right? I mean, I'm sorry, the association. Yeah, off. Uh, this is the one day between the regular season and the play-in tournament. So, so. you you just be walking around town looking for a friend, trying to fill your time, uh, or you're probably- just gonna go back to YouTube and. Watch highlights of the Bucks. I'll, I'll probably I'll work out all the scenarios for the play-in tournament and see which ones work best for the top-seeded teams, and uh, I'll, I'll come back with the results tomorrow. Oh, you will have them for our very special edition yeah, of the sure. Frank Vogel Retrospective. Right, exactly. A whole hour dedicated. <laughs> Hopefully Mike Ryder gives us the uh, maybe two or three hours. Oh, we have to give a thumbs up. <laughs> It'll be perfect. <laughs> uh, Blues and Bruins uh, will follow the Frank Vogel Retrospective tomorrow. It's a <laughs> solid lead-in here on 101 ESPN. Cardinals may or may not play. I'm looking outside. It looks absolutely <laughs> awful. Yeah, I don't know if they're going to play into that. Well, I, I should take my son to his first ever Cardinal game today. 
because he would just mathematically have to get a foul ball because it'll just be me and him. <laughs> yeah, you can go chase it a hundred <laughs> sections away. So it was right now. No, no word on the weather situation at Bush Stadium, Cardinals and Pirates, and uh, BK and Ferrario are ready to bring the heat coming up at the top of the hour for Action Jackson. I'm Tim McKernan. This has been Balloon Party, also known as Hot Love and Lil Tex on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes. From running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.